You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. We are in deep into Philippians. We literally are in deep because we're in chapter 4. Have you been enjoying this series? How many have not? Raise your hand if you've not enjoyed. I want to see who's, wow, that'd be tough. That'd be tough if you said no, because you got to sit through another one anyway. Deep is what? Discipleship, engagement, evangelism, and prayer. We're focusing on these things. And Paul has mentioned in the letter to the church of Philippi, he has these words that he mentions many times. It's the word joy and rejoicing. There is a theme. How many know that theme, even though it was back then for the church of Philippi, is still good for the church of Spring Hill today? We need a lot of joy and rejoicing. Amen? No? Okay, we're going to shout me down today. It's going to be good. We ready to... Ready to go in? Philippians 4. Let's get into this today. This is part of our series here, and we are devouring the letter to the church of Philippi. Paul is writing this from a place of captivity. He's either in jail or actually in house arrest, and he's writing from Rome, and he's encouraging the church. And it says here in verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved, I entreat Erodia and Syntyche to, what does it say here? To agree in what? Thank you. Somebody's paying attention. There's that in the Lord thing. That's a lot in this. Do you notice there's a pattern here? Paul keeps talking about being in Christ, in the Lord. He's exhorting. I implore you to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4, rejoice, what? In the Lord always, and again, I will rejoice. Let your reasonableness, there's a good word for 2022. How many of us can say we've seen reasonableness happening around us? Be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's any worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Today I want to talk to you about all the fields. Turn to somebody and say, it's all the fields. All the fields. Lord, we thank you today for your word that is coming alive in us. We just declare right now that you will give us the ability to receive the word and it will plant deep roots within our spirit and our soul. God, we want to look more like you. And so, Lord, we declare right now that you will allow us to come into alignment with your kingdom. May your kingdom be released in us. And, Lord, we declare your kingdom over the nation of Ukraine. We declare peace over the world. We thank you, Lord, that you are on your throne and there's nothing too big for you. We declare signs and wonders, miracles, salvation, and things that no one else can take the credit for. No government, no political leader, no army, nothing. Just Jesus, 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 have your way on this earth. In your name, amen. 
How many can say, with all honesty, that you are an emotional person? Say, an emotional person. Somebody that wears their emotions on their sleeve. Come on now. This is good. That's good. Now, those of you sitting next to them, those of you that know them, you realize how much, how wearing that is for you. But let me, let me say this to you. Here's good news, emotional people. God gave you those emotions. So turn to the person that didn't put their hand up and say, you just ain't walking in God's goodness. Tell them that. God gave you your emotions. Do you know that your emotions are part of your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. And actually, your emotions, you can't shut them off. So back in the day when, when your dad or someone told you, men, men don't cry, that's not true. Real men can cry, and they weep. Emotions are critical to who you are. It actually is part of who you are, and God gave them to you. And the problem is, is sometimes we tend to make excuses for our crazy emotions. That's where things get awry. That's where things go wrong. And sometimes we can live by our emotions. And that is not God's plan. So... I'm going to do something today. Consider me your counselor, paid medical counselor. I'm bringing you into the class. Lay down on a couch, and I will take notes. I'm going to prepare some some visuals for you to see how you will respond in emotions. The first one, please, Chad, if you would. There he is. Wow, okay, nobody responded. That is Jesus, by the way. Hopefully your Lord and Savior. That would bring joy to you. Hmm. Okay, next one, please. Wow, they had better response than Jesus did. <laughs> Duly noted. Who wouldn't like a kid like this? Fully loaded, Nike. There, there's your twins, Jake, right there on the right. That would be you and Tina right there. Next one, please. Now, some of you wish they were cats, but we're not putting cats up there. Because <laughs> that ain't nobody trusts cats. Cat, wow. Cats got to pull. <laughs> If there was enough cats around Jesus, he would have threw the demons in the cats, not the pigs. Actually, it's not true, because cats already have demons. Okay, let's move on. There you go. I'm an equal opportunity pleaser. I gave you the mountains and the beach. Those of you that want to pick which ones, any mountain people, raise your hands in mountains. Beach. Just want a free house? Put your hand up. Okay. Let's keep going. Anyone interested? This is a picture of someone's house in this room. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's hoarding, and that is scary. And I can't even look at it for a long period of time. Let's keep moving on. Now, any parent can literally hear the noise in the picture. How many can hear the noise right now? I can hear that noise. Let's keep moving on. This is not good. How about that? Wow, that's, there you go. And that's not even California. There you go. I'm, I've been generous with you. Let's keep going here. Anybody? That's Brentwood. <laughs> this is Vice Principal Milton's grade for some of you kids at the Spring Hill Middle School. <laughs> keep going here. And this is pretty much what we're faced with right now. Now, the scary thing about it is, is we're hearing phrases like World War III being thrown out. And so why am I showing you this? Because my desire, next slide, is that you would have peace, whether you see the Prince of Peace 
or the armies and nations raging against each other. That's the goal. That's what Paul's saying here. He says this, actually in Romans, he writes this as well to the church of Rome. He says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. See, we're not supposed to be led by our emotions. We can have emotions. They're part of who we are. We can have a, a agreement of things. But when we see those pictures, especially towards the end, our emotions should not go up and down because we have the prince of peace. We are led by the spirit of the living God. Paul is talking about this in Philippians 4. Now, we know that this is a letter. So let me remind you that letters don't have chapters and verses. This would have been a complete thought. So as we've been going over these last few weeks, you can see Paul is leading us somewhere. And I feel like this is probably the, the whole center focus of the letter of where he wants to land the people of Philippi. I think there's, this, is the, this is where we've been going. He, he talks about straining towards the goal, dying to ourselves. And then he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. But before he does, he talks about a conflict between two women. Why? What does it have to do with it? I mean, you have these two women that clearly have been called out. Now, Paul is not calling them out in a way that I think he's throwing them out there. Just kind of look at their dirty laundry. I think, obviously, because he mentions this, that either the people knew about this issue or they had written to Paul to ask for help in their issue. It was something that was widely known. Paul was responding from Rome in a way to say, this should not be happening between people that I love. He makes mention of this and he even says, my true companion. He invites someone else in. We don't know who that is, saying, help these women get through their dispute. We don't know what the dispute is. We know that it was probably public, like I said, because he puts it in his letter. But he also says that he labored with them. He mentions a man named Clement who obviously didn't need no introduction. He just mentions his name. People knew instantly who he was. I believe there's a reason. He was saying that these women are just as important to me as my true companion and Clement. You know Clement. And honestly, all of us need to get along. He's been talking about this quite a bit, hasn't he? About this unity piece. Paul's mentioning this. And I believe he's saying this because all throughout it, he uses the word agree. And in the Greek, the word means having the same mind. Now, this is so interesting because we come to church, especially a church like this, and we look around and there's people of different ages, backgrounds, ethnicities, all different educations, and we're all commanded to have the same mind. And here's the good news. You should go to a church with people that rub you the wrong way. Or else we don't have to work at it. And Paul says in other places that that's a sign of a true believer. That conflict rises up and the way you respond to conflict. Did you know that if you ran to a church with people that thought like you, believed like you, everything was the same, that would not actually be the kind of church that Paul would exhort you to go to. Why? Because he says iron sharpens iron. And I've watched the way they make swords and things and it's not a nice process. And so that's the kind of relationships we should have in here. So Paul is acknowledging this, but then he says that we should not be warring against one another. There should be unity in the body of Christ. And verses 4 through 9 could very well be addressing the root between these two women because he says something after talking about them. He says this, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. What a transition got some issues with some women by the way rejoice 
Now, again, this is a letter. This is a complete thought. There's a reason behind this. Let's figure it out. Maybe Paul was saying that the issue underlying current to your disagreement can be resolved by your emotional degree of understanding of who Jesus is and how you can live in him. There it is again. You can live in him. When you live in him, you can have disagreements and still rejoice. Now, let me share with you this because it says rejoice in the Lord always. That's present. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I will. That's the future. Paul is saying not only will I rejoice now, but I'm commanding myself to rejoice in the future. I don't know what's coming, but my present state is going to be how I will be from this moment on. I will rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Some of you need to learn how to rejoice a little bit more. Because did you know that medical science can back up the Bible? Did you know that? Isn't that funny how medical science understands the Bible more sometimes than we do? Because this is what they say. They say, we feel joy in our bodies because of a release of dopamine and serotonin, two types of neurotransmitters in the brain. Both of these chemicals are heavily associated with happiness. In fact, people that suffer with clinical depression often have lower levels of serotonin. Now, here's the interesting thing. You can actually hack your mood. You want to know how to do that? This is what they say. Smiling can actually trick your brain by elevating your mood, lowering your heart rate, and reducing your stress. The smile doesn't have to be based on real emotions because faking it works as well. Turn to somebody and just give them a big old smile. Come on now. Come on now. Some of you, it's hard. It's hard. Like, I don't know how to smile. Take your fingers and push your edges of your lips up like this if it's that hard. Some of you, it's like been a long time since those muscles have been used. They go up. You know, you can also hack your mood by exercise, they say. That release of all that stuff. Somebody in the first service, first service said, shoot. They were against exercise, I guess. You can actually hack your mood. You can change your mood by your posture. Now, he says this in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. I looked up the word anything. That means literally nothing. There's nothing that should change you and make you anxious. Not a medical diagnosis. Not a balance in your bank account. Not the school you didn't get in or the school you wanted to, but you didn't get hear back from them. These things should not change your mood. Paul is saying, do not be anxious about anything. Let me even take it another step further. Worry and anxiety is evil. Let me take it another level, even go deeper. Worry, anxiety, fear, and depression is demonic. It's demonic. When we partner with it, we are literally giving the enemy license into our soul. So I'm going to step on toes because we did it in the first service. It seemed to work. And I want you to know that I'm preaching to myself. I've already done it once. I'm going to do it the second time and three times a charm. I want you to understand that we have to change the way we respond. Anxiety should not be an issue in your life. So how do we live in joy? Notice I said not from joy, but in joy. We got to live in joy first. Number one. Step one, we have to bother God with our issues. Not post it on social media. 
Not tell our spouse. God should be the first person we go to. What does Paul say? In everything, let your requests be known to God. Bring them before God. He's the first person that you talk to. Now, I've done it before. I've gone through the whole day. I've gone through my whole life, my whole day, complaining, moaning, all those things. And by the time I get to bed, I'm, oh, yeah, God, let me, could you help me? Wow. The whole day, I was anxious when I should have presented my request to him first. That's step one. Step number two is use the dialogue of heaven. The dialogue of heaven, Paul says, is prayer and supplication. Supplication is asking. Did you know you can ask of God? Some of you are afraid to ask of God. I don't know why. Like, like literally, my kids, like I, I know, they, they do this. They, they, they ask of things of me. But dialogue of heaven requires a new language because the earthly language is complaining. The heavenly language is asking. I can complain about something or I can ask God for something. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We are to what? Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Step three is presentation is everything. With thanksgiving. I know this because my kids, they will come to me and they have expectant asking. They have no problem asking of me. My kids love to snack. I don't understand how many snacks you can have a day. They do. They continue to put them in their bodies. And sometimes they ask. And if they don't ask, and I see them walking around with a snack, did did you ask? Oh, okay. Like they forgot. A momentary lapse of judgment. They put it back. I say, why? Because I want them to ask. But here's the deal. This is how they ask. They ask with expectancy because they know it's in the cabinet and they know they can have it. They're asking because it's a formality because I told them you need to ask before you take something out of the cabinet. What I'm saying is, is you need to ask with expectancy because Jesus has it already in the cabinet. It's already at his disposal and he wants to give good things to his children so when you ask it's not like oh god would you heal me no it's god i need your healing it's expectant it's presentation with thanksgiving do you know what that looks like it's not you going god i got a bad report there's some kind of notch in my under my skin i think it's i think it's cancer and and and, and god i need healing no it's coming before the lord and saying god i thank you that you are a great healer I thank you, God, that there's nothing too big. You healed some other people at Southview of cancer. I know you can. So even if it is cancer, you got this, and I give it to you in Jesus' name. Look at the difference. Look at the difference in prayer and asking. Now, let's put it another step further. Those of you that are married, I want you to go to your spouse and demand something from them. You're laughing because you already know how that's going to turn out. Barry, don't even go there. Big football Barry still realizes Jen is not going to take it that way. But how about if you came to her and you said, Jen, you are so beautiful and lovely. What a great mother you are. There is no one like you. By the way, can I just go out for a little while and just, I won't be back till night. I'll see you later. You're amazing. That's called a compliment sandwich. I just gave it to you. See, you put the compliments and then the ask right in the middle. I make a joke, but the reality is, as many of us, we don't even come to God with thanksgiving. Because it's not about pleading with God or somehow, you know, twisting his arm that he's going to give us good things. It's about changing the atmosphere in our ask. You ask differently when you are thankful to begin with. Presentation is everything. Step four is use the mood hack. 
We talked about this. You can smile and fake yourself into being happy, but Paul gives you multiple mood hacks. Look what he says. Think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is how you hack your mood. When you think about these things, you can't be in a bad attitude. Look what I did. For those of you that still don't get this, I broke it down. I gave you some of the wording in the Greek. That means not, truth is not concealing. It's loving. It's speaking the truth. Honorable means honest. Think of honest things. Just means think of righteous things. Keeping the commandments of God faultless, pure. Think of modest, immaculate, clean, lovely, acceptable, pleasing, commendable. Is of good report, sounding well, excellent, is virtual, m- virtue, moral goodness, and praiseworthy is commendation. Think of these things, Paul says. And the word think of these things actually means to calculate, to gather, and to judge. That means if it doesn't line up with those things, I'm not thinking about it today. I have a choice. You have a choice to let things in here. I'm not going to think about that bill that I can't pay right now. I'm going to think about how God provided every need I had up to this point. I'm I'm not going to think about the diagnosis that I got. I'm going to think about the healing that that Donna had when she was in in the hospital for 36 days for COVID, how she walked out of here and she was sitting in the front row in the last service, and I talked about her testimony. I'm not going to think about where it could go. I'm thinking about what he's already done. Step five is practice makes perfect. Paul says, practice these things. Practice these things. Practice these things. You know what practice means in the Greek? It means to accomplish or to perform. You literally have to walk it out. You have to force yourself. You have to force yourself. I'm going to force, I'm going to mood hack myself today. I'm going to think about good things. Some of you just have a hard time smiling still. You're still not smiling. You got to perform because that's what gets you to practice. Paul is reminding the church of Philippi and these two women that this is how and this is what we should be known for. What's the payoff? Well, the payoff is this, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all, some of you excited about this, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul also says this in Romans. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through. See, through and in are the same thing. It's in Christ. It's through Christ. This is the only way. And it's going to be a ridiculous peace, Papa Chuck, that you will be considered crazy to the people around you. Because it says, what, surpasses all understanding. Have you ever had the Holy Ghost peace that doesn't even make sense to your own mind? Have you ever had that inner turmoil in your own mind? Like, I should be responding this way, but this is the way I'm going to respond. It's almost like the angel and the demon on the shoulders. And you're like, what do I do? You choose to say, I'm trusting the peace that passes all understanding. Well, you shouldn't have that kind of peace, Pastor Josh. There's no reason. Did you not hear what the doctor said? Oh, no. I I remember Miss Jackie when she got diagnosed with cancer a couple years ago, and she told the doctor, I do not have cancer. She refused the report. Now, you think, that's crazy. No, she chose peace that passes all understanding and to this day the lady right there is still cancer free countless stories like that in here because you choose some of you go into the doctors with already the diagnosis before they even get it you start quoting aunt betsy uncle so-and-so had cancer i'm gonna die like him i remember i know one person that that literally believed every no one lived past a certain age 
They kept talking. Well, I'll never live. I'll never. And she died right before she got to that age. Coincidence? I think not. There's power in your mouth. Beyond human understanding, even your own sometimes. It guards your heart, that your emotions, and your mind. That's your will, your thoughts in Christ Jesus. And it's for future prevention. I will rejoice. Because you don't know what's coming Monday. You don't know what's coming Wednesday. You don't know what's going to happen on Thursday. You don't know what you're getting in the mail on Friday from Amazon, and I didn't order it, but oh boy. But I will rejoice. See, it's prophetic in the statement. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I w- we're prophesying over ourselves. Again, I will rejoice. We have an inheritance of peace. And we have an obligation of peace. You have a prince of peace living inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit. And his fruit is peace. So you have an inheritance. It's been given to you early. You can partake of it. You have a choice. Will I eat off the fruit of peace? And here's the other statement. If you're a tree bearing fruit, one of your fruits should be peace because that's your obligation to be a deliverer of peace. Everywhere I go, my feet should step, should be delivering peace. When I walk into your home, the home should change because the man of peace walked in. You're thinking, that's crazy. No, that's real. This is real. Jesus even told his disciples when they were going to ministry, he said, look for the man of peace. It was a position of a purpose of power. He said, find the man of peace in the city. So the reality is, if God came to your house, would he find a man or woman of peace in your home? That's a question. You got to think about that for a moment. I'll give you an example. I have, I have insurance here. This is my insurance card. And this is my insurance policy. Now, my policy says that I can go anywhere in network and it's covered. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Hopefully you know that that means that whatever I do over here, if it's in network, I've gotten the bill back and it was zero. So I just got to make sure that I stay in network. I got to stay in I got to stay in network. Milton knows where I'm going. I got to stay in network. If I stay in network, everything is covered. But the moment that I step out of network, the moment I step out of network, the moment I step out, and maybe it's because I think this person is going to do a better job than this, because I, I know this is going to work, but, but it may not happen. Though. I couldn't get the appointment like I wanted, as quick as I wanted. But this one, I can, I can do it on my own. I, I, I step out of network. I step into a different policy, a different premium, a different copay. I have to pay out of pocket. I end up being in the debt. But when I'm in network, everything's covered. See, that's the difference between being in Christ and being outside trying to make it work on your own. If I'm in Christ, it may not happen the way I want, but it's fully covered. But the moment that I try to step out and find it my own opportunity, I'm going to do my own. I'm going to figure it out on my own, is the moment that I have to pay out of my own pocket. See, what I'm trying to say to you today is anxiety is me trusting my own works as opposed to staying in network and trusting God and allowing my insurance to cover me. My assurance 
I'm knocking on somebody's head. My insurance, I'm assured that he has started a good work in me, will be faithful to complete it. I'm assured that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm sure that he is my ever-present help in time of trouble. That's my assurance. When we are anxious, hear me here. I'm not, this is why I'm going to step on your foot now. When we are anxious and worry, we make God look bad. Because our statement to the world says that he is not a good father that he does not provide for me, that he is not strong enough, and he is a God that's disconnected from his children. So the moment that you partner with those things is the moment you make a statement. See, that's where it goes quiet. I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm there too because the, like, I'm like this sometimes. Like, I like roller coasters, but I don't want to be one. I mean, this is, how, this is how crazy it is. I'm a homeowner. And so I'll be having a good day until I walk in and I see a water stain on the wall and oh, we got to burn the house down. There's a leak somewhere. We're, I'm going to have to rip. I'm going to start ripping. Give me a hammer. I'm going to start ripping the wall out. It's like, what just happened? Mowing my lawn, enjoying the lawn. All of a sudden I see one of those mold trails in my lawn. Son of a gun. I got to buy a shotgun. I got to kill this thing. Get kids. Go get. We got to get a new house. How quickly my mood can change over a little circumstance. But I got so tired of being anxious and, and cool and anxious. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to trust the Lord. That leak is not going to make me sell my house. That mow ain't going to kick me out of my land. I'm going to trust the Lord. And I'm learning to trust him. I'm walking this out. Because I refuse for someone to see me and think that my God is a schizophrenic God because of the way that I operate. I'm calling on Jesus. You calling on Jesus? I'm not interested in your Jesus because your life is like this. Your marriage is like this. Woo! But what if we were peacefully in network? Come on now. We were set in assurance that he will never leave us. Paul is saying rejoice in the Lord always. We have become a demobilized people who are afraid to speak, we're scared to act, and we're distracted with shock and awe. Let me give you an example. Shock and awe was something in the desert storm. That's the first time I ever heard it. It's a military thing. And so they would just send up all this noise, drop these large bombs. So you'd be, planes go, wow, we're defeated. Like, like literally the sound of these planes would scare the people into giving up. Gas prices. World War III. Corruption. Man trying to swim for a woman. See, what I'm trying to say is, is those are really distractions. I'm not saying they don't matter. I'm just saying if that's what you meditate on, you'll become. But if we just look at them as distractions, no, 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 Lord, I just thank you right now. You know what I saw? When I saw a man beating women in a swimming competition, you know what I decided? I got eight girls. So now I'm plugging into them. You are beautiful. You are strong. You're a leader. I'm going to raise up eight strong women that are going to set the, set it off. So they'll define what a woman is. Nobody will be like, well, I've seen a woman. I don't know what that is. I'm not trying to demean the person, but I'm demeaning the spirit that is trying to distract the people from our purpose. See, we love people, all different kinds of people. You're welcome here. But I can't, as a good pastor and leader, condone a wage of sin that leads to death. So what I do is I speak with authority. Look, Matthew, Jesus spoke this. This was Jesus' word. So this is even above Paul. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you drink, 
about your body or what you put on. You're more precious than food. Your body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Southview, are you not more valuable than a couple birds? Of which of you can be anxious can even add a single hour of lifespan? Do you know medical science has proven that worry even shortens your life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon, who was so rich, in all his glory was not a raise like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is here today alive and gone tomorrow, thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, oh, of little faith? Ooh, there it is. There's the nugget. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. That's a pattern of the world. That's ungodly. Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask. He's already aware of what's going to come on Wednesday. He already has a plan for it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's your proper seeking delivers proper provision. And all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow or Wednesday or Friday or next month because tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. Let me say this. You grow your faith, you, you shrink your fear. You know how you grow your faith? Change the atmosphere. Meditate on what God has done in your life. When we walk in anxiety, we invite the demonic to control the atmosphere around us. So I'm telling you today, don't take the bait anymore. And by all means, do not say, I am depressed. I am anxious. I am fearful. Do not let those words, you may be in that state and that's okay. You may be in that for that moment, but do not come into alignment with your mouth. Do not say, I am. You are the righteousness of God. You are a son and daughter of the king. You are the head and not the tail. You are life. God lives inside of you. He doesn't live in cheap things. He's not a cheap God. He's not an absent God. He's not a God absent uh, outside of your need. He's right in it because you're in him. I'll preach this message till the time we go to Jesus because I'm tired of seeing people demobilized by fear. I'm here to tell you, things are going to get worse. But the thing is, my hope is in him. And I know that the wheat and the tear grow together. So even though it may look bad, good things are happening. It's where I choose to focus. Am I in network or out of network? Because when I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. Behold, all things have become new and old things have gone away. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.